Hello and welcome to the Jigme Kelsing podcast. My name is Jigme Kelsing. Each week you'll hear fascinating conversations as well as stories from many professionals from a broad range of fields and experiences they've had. On today's episode, I'm joined by Zero Waste Chef, food stylist, culinary creator, and cookbook author, Christine Tizard. Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, I am so glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, I saw, I came across you when I was watching Best Recipes Ever. Oh, geez. Yes. Uh, Yeah, those good old glory days. Yes. Those good old days. Yeah. 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 What do you remember from Best Recipes Ever? (laughs) You know what I had, it was probably a couple of the, the, like the best work experience years of my life. I, I do have to say, um, I had a really great team. Uh, CBC was lovely to me. Uh, I had a passion and love and I just always watched those cooking. The reason why I got into cooking and my culinary career is because I watched so many of those cooking TV shows growing up. You know, those cooking TV shows seem to have changed quite a bit. They're not the typical, like, here's how to cook this or that. Mostly it's competition based and it's gone a little bit crazy right now. But, um, but those cooking shows, I just loved. And to be able to work on one and do that was amazing was really really great yeah well yeah i i I think that like you know obviously best recipes ever has so much great food i mean (laughs) what 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 can go wrong i mean from the strawberry uh what was it again the strawberry the chocolate thing what was it i don't know well okay so the charlotte it was a strawberry charlotte the charlotte we did a lot of episodes and a lot of recipes and the typical shoot days were, if I recall, we were three days on and two days off. So three days during the week, we would be cooking. And in those three days, we would do two to three episodes. So that's like a lot of recipes packed in one day. And if you were to ask me to remember one particular recipe or one particular show, it would be very, very difficult, I think. No, listen, I, I, I think that these are just so different times that I think everyone just forgotten a lot of things, to be honest. I think I think I think we're just on a hectic schedule. So it's it's fine if you forget if you forget things. I mean, I'm 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 as clumsy as you are because you know, just working different things and, and things happen. But um can we talk about your, your hometown uh Newfoundland? Oh um, sure. because that's that's where you first basically got your start and and really Got. I mean, you were you were raised there, and and that's your your hometown. Uh, talk to me about what Newfoundland is like. Yeah. So uh, I grew up um, in Saint John's, Newfoundland, um, which is considered um, growing up. And I don't know if this is even appropriate anymore. But growing up, you were either a townie or a bayman. Those terms are probably are not appropriate anymore. Um, but you know, going to school, you either grew up in town or you grew up around the bay. Um, so I was considered a townie, uh, that being said, I spent a lot of time in my youth. Um, we, we had a, a little house around the bay. So it's, it's like the exact same thing as like going to a cottage, except we go around the bay. I don't know why we didn't call it cottages, but 
anyway um so so yeah growing up uh yeah it's um it's newfoundland it's beautiful it's small um we're pretty isolated uh i left home pretty early um I think I moved to Toronto in my late teens, like 18, 19. So I was out of there pretty early, but I do uh, go back whenever I can. My parents now have passed away, but I had like aunts and uncles and good friends still back there, but it's, it's lovely. It's, it's lovely. Uh, I do feel like though, someone asked me this the other day why I left home so early and I had to think about it for a while, but I don't know what it was, but ever since I was a little girl, all I wanted to do was see the world. I wanted to leave and see as many places as I could. So I felt like this urgency of leaving the small town life and, you know, moving to the big city type of thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you were just saying about Newfoundland being such a, a small, small town. Um, why, why do you feel it's so special to be living in such a small town? Well, um, you know, there was definitely more of a sense of, of family for me um, living in a small town. Of course, you tend to know what everyone's doing. Uh, and uh my mom had a really big family. So, you know, there was always like going to see family and things like that. But um, I think the best thing about growing up in a small town like that is the fact that you're kind of forced to be out in nature a little bit more. Like winter is pretty tough and the weather is pretty crappy, but I spent a lot of time outside, um, you know, going on hikes or just going on walks or, uh, things like that. So I don't know. It was definitely more isolated though. I do feel that that's all. I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to really answer your question, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, that's, that's completely understandable. And, and I think that like, sometimes when I talk to people who live in small towns, it's like, I over, I've always said that, you know, it's just a special part because it's, everyone knows everybody basically um and it's that the bond that you share with each other but what's really important is that i think that we often forget that like you know those little things that matter the most but then we get so caught up in this crazy you know rush and and you know we're on the go every time and we forget to to slow down for a bit and i feel that's what the pandemic did was just to slow down everybody and just to really catch a breath finally um, I mean, I mean, what, what do you, what do you think of the pandemic? Do you, do you think it was a time for you to really slow down and, and focus on what you've, you know, what you've never done in the past, but you wanted to do? No, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the business that I'm in, um, didn't stop at all through the whole pandemic. So I was kind of the opposite. Um, I know it was really hard for a lot of people you know, people out of work, restaurants going under, you know, it was really difficult to watch, but um, I'm in a weird aspect of the culinary industry where I'm not a chef, I, you know, I'm not a chef that works in a restaurant, um, but I do um, food and culinary for advertising. 
food advertising didn't stop. If anything, it got slightly busier because people were eating more at home, going to the grocery store, stocking up on food um, and cooking more at home, like the whole like sourdough craze and all of that kind of stuff. Like people, people got kind of back to some of their cooking roots, I think. Um, and food advertising didn't stop. And it was this weird niche where it's like, what is considered an essential service, right? And when it come, came to like things like food packaging and things like that, it still fell under the umbrella of an essential service. So, I mean, we did scale back in a weird sort of way. We didn't go to, you know, a big office with lots of people anymore and set up shop and stuff like that. It would be like me and one photographer or, and maybe one client that everything turned to Zoom. But because I still have to physically be on set to cook food, to take photos and take videos and to do these TV commercials that are still considered essential, you know, uh, it just kind of scaled right back to a skeleton crew. Uh, but I didn't stop at all. If anything, it was really, really busy for me because also then people are getting sick, people are calling in sick and your phone, you're going to replace people. So, uh, I didn't get any, any kind of downtime at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, well, that, that brings me into my next topic, which is before you became a chef, um, I was doing my research um, and you were doing something in, in regards to acting. Yes. Um, yeah. HBO, ABC Family. Yeah, um, can you talk to me about those good old glory days? Good old glory days. Um, so, yeah, I spent a good few years, like a good, you know, a good century um, auditioning and acting and trying my hat in that career um it's a lovely career to work in if you can get booked as an actor but I personally had a really really difficult time with the audition process I found it I struggle with anxiety anyways and I found it very anxiety ridden and very overwhelming just to do the audition process and you know I did it for a few years and I did have a career at it and it was amazing tv for commercials all that kind of stuff it's great it's great money if you land something but the auditioning process is really difficult and I kind of just that's where I when I kind of transferred over to the um the culinary world I just couldn't handle going to auditions anymore. It got to the point where it's like, you know, when the acting agent phones you, you don't want to answer the phone. So then you kind of know it's probably not the right career for you anymore. No, honestly, I, I feel like I can relate definitely to that that feeling because there was a point in where I, I was I was in, I think I was in Lakeshore Collegiate Institute High School. Um, and I was talking to my guidance counselor about what I wanted to do in, in college. Um, and I said that I want to be a child and youth worker. Um, I like, I like helping, you know, like children, you know, like I, I think that, you know, I think it's so, it's so intriguing to me that to learn from children's eyes, because even if they're little, they're very wise for their age. Um, and so I talked to my guidance counselor about that and she said, but you like doing podcasts. 
um <laughs> uh why would you want to become a child news worker but then she understood because me and some other teachers i've had such a great great relationship with everyone at my high school and she said that how about you do this you can do podcast and child and youth work at the same time how about you go into radio broadcasting um you can do all sorts of services by talking on air and talking on on the microphone about certain topics and I said sold i'm done um i'm i'm going to choose that as what i want to do so I went to humber college north campus um and i graduated recently from the broadcasting radio diploma program um congratulations Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I can definitely relate to that feeling of like, well, this is not the career for me. So then I changed different uh, programs. And I'm like, yep, I found what I wanted to do. And um, it's it seems like you figured it out. And now here you are doing all sorts of different things and uh, being a cookbook author. How does it feel when people call you a cookbook author? Um, actually, it's I feel pretty proud that I'm a cookbook author. Um, it's not an easy thing to say that you've, you know, published cookbooks. Um, and it's a lot of work. Uh, and it's nice to know that you, you know, decided to do something, you pitched it, you went through it, the whole process, you know, you got a publisher on board, you got an editor, and then you work for three years and you don't give up and you keep on chugging through and chugging through and chugging through because there's so many times through you know through a process of writing a book where you're like I just don't know if I can do this anymore or is this book relevant anymore who really cares about what I'm saying you have all those things in your head so then to finally actually get it published and see on a shelf it's it's nice to have something tactile in your hand and know that like, oh, I, I did this, you know? And that's actually, I think one of the major reasons why I got into cooking was because with the auditioning and the acting and all of that kind of stuff, all those auditions and all that work you put in, there was never anything at the end of the day where I'm like, oh, I did this. Unless you get a part in a movie and then you see it on the screen, which is like, you know, then it's kind of like winning the lottery. Um, so I just got into cooking because I felt like this is something I have control over in my life. I can get up in the morning. I can do this. I can make this. And at the end of the day, I actually see something that I've made. And it's something that I can share with other people and hopefully put a smile on their face. So that's what, like writing a cookbook, I think is is my experience was very good. That being said, it's very difficult and takes a really long time. And it's a lot of grunt work of just like editing and looking things over and sitting down in front of a computer and, you know, writing words. And, uh, and there's not a lot of like, what's the word I'm going to say, uh, money <laughs> involved. Like, you know, you don't make money unless like on cookbooks, like unless you're Otto Lenghi or some real famous chef or TV personality or something like that. Um, there's not really a lot of monetary, like, like money rewards to it. So it is a labor of love for sure. Yeah, obviously. And I think that like, do you feel that your, your experiences at George Brown college um, in the field of study, which is cuisine, do you feel like those experiences really shaped to shaped who you are um as as a chef uh, especially um 
I think I, I love George Brown College. It's a fantastic program. I really enjoyed going to school there and doing the program. Uh, I think it was, it's really well done. Um, and then going through the process of, you know, then, you know, doing your stages and your apprenticeship and restaurants for a little bit and experimenting there. Uh, but I just think the, where I ended up like writing cookbooks and doing food styling and like creating culinary content for other people, like that's a far stretch from like working in a restaurant, which is where I actually wanted to be. Like the game plan was to go to culinary school, work in restaurants, open up a restaurant. And it was, I think just a odd series of events that I ended up where I am. It wasn't, um, what's the word? It wasn't my end goal to be here, to like be a cookbook author. That wasn't my end goal. Uh, however, that being said, you know, I always kind of wanted to be a cookbook author in a weird sort of way because I love cookbooks and all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes it's just who you meet along the way and, and where life takes you really. And you just, this, this kind of was just a go with the flow kind of thing. But I'm also one of those people that, which is not good sometimes. It's like, I get an idea in my head and I kind of go with it. And sometimes it's, it's a lot of mistakes too, <laughs> but yeah. No, I, I, I was, I was actually like, um, listening to a podcast on the on air with Ryan Seacrest show and what's interesting was Sean Mendes was talking about he was asked about uh, his album and his creation process behind stuff and he he was asked do you feel that whenever you make an album and you put it out to the world do you ever feel that you're on you're always on the go and you always want to say that I want to make this more and then you listen to your music often um, and he says I don't listen to my music often because why I I feel that whenever I listen to my music I always say well now I feel that could improve on this new song and then I'm always wanting to do another record even though I put one out already um, and he feels just he wants to reinvent things reinvent things keep reinventing stuff um, and it seems like I think everyone just deals with that you know it's just a natural thing yes. like even even with the creation of like my own like podcast t-shirts i look at an idea first i look at my idea first and i'm saying that that looks so ugly and then you come back with fresh eyes in the next day and you're like that looks better and then you come back a week later and you're like man that first logo was horrible and then ultimately you're like well now this one looks way better and i think that we should stick with it um so that brings me to my next point of Obviously, your track record has gone to some successful stuff. I mean, you were doing behind the scenes work for MasterChef Canada. Um, talk to me about uh, doing that. Oh, my. Um, so uh, when, after working on Best Recipes Ever, um, I, I had such a respect for the culinary team that put together these shows, right? that I kind of had it in my head that maybe if I worked behind the scenes doing the culinary production, um, I don't know, I, I kind of, I wanted to know how to produce 
content, right? And may, whether it was for myself, I, you know, and everyone's producing their own content now, right? This is what everybody does. Everyone produces their own content. Everyone has their own Instagram account. Everyone's doing TikTok. They're producing their own content. But back then it wasn't as big of a deal, right? Um, but I wanted to know what it would take to actually do a show. Like, you know, and this was a big show. It was a huge show. Um, and there was a, quite a big culinary production team on it. Um, the experience, I learned a lot. I learned a lot really, really fast. Would I want to do it again? I don't think so on a big show like that. I, I thought it, it was, it was hard. It was hard work. It was long hours. Um, and when you're behind the scenes like that, it kind of ruins the mystery of those shows, right? Like it, it's hard, for, I find it a little bit difficult now to watch these shows because I kind of know all the other stuff, right? Um, but it's, it takes big teams, big production crews to, to run those shows. It's a lot of work behind those shows, I have to say. But overall the experience was good and I learned a lot, that's for sure. No, absolutely. And um, so now that we're, we, we've talked about those things, I think it's time to get into more of the fun topics, which is obviously the Zero Waste Kitchen, which is why we're here. But then obviously I want to talk before that, I want to say that um, why, because you're a chef, I, wa I want to know these things. It, it's it's so interesting that I want to, that I want to like pick your brain about. Um, first question off of um, chef topics related. Um what are the qualities of a good chef? Oh, well, see, because I'm not, I think that's, for me, I, that's not, I think that's kind of a hard question for me to answer because I'm not the typical chef that's working in a restaurant, um, managing a kitchen, uh, doing that every day. Um, I do have some friends that are doing that. Uh, but if I were to guess, uh, I would say <sighs> creativity, you know, you have to be constantly, I, I could, could imagine that it gets tedious going in every day and doing the same recipes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, keeping your creative creativity up and doing all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you have to be a hard worker. You have to be love, love what you're doing. Right. Um, and then you're gonna have to, the, the biggest the biggest thing is you're gonna have to figure out how to work well with others, right? Because your, your team in the kitchen, it's, it becomes your family, right? So you're gonna have to take care of that. That's what I would assume. Uh, for me, as it, to what, as what I, my little pocket of what I do as a, you know, a chef, a food stylist, a cookbook author is that I have to, always be able to kind of switch gears. So, um, you know, I never know what I'm going to get. I never know who I'm going to be working with. It's always changing. So I have to be malleable in that, in that way, shape or form. Uh, I have to love what I do. Uh, but for me, the most, I think the most important thing is that I have to be, um, it's an art, right? What I do is an art. So, being very precise 
having a little bit of obsessive compulsive behavior to that type of thing works well in my industry. So. Mm -hmm. um, and so that also uh, correlates with this. Um, so what, when you have adversity, um, how do you, how do you resolve it? Oh God. Um, I suffer from anxiety and depression, so I tend to always look at the bad before the good. Um, I go to the worst case scenario, which is not always the best thing to do. And um, sometimes I think that works in my favor. So I try to, I try to think about, because then I'm always prepared. Uh, but for me, how I get myself out of a situation is that I have to change my environment. So I need to kind of get out of where I am and move into something else so I can change my perspective. I don't know if that really answered your question, but that's how I see it in my head. No, I, I, I think that completely answers the question. Um, and so what do you feel your strengths and weaknesses are? Um, once again, I tend to look at the worst case scenario. Um, I'm a hard worker. Um, I have really good work ethic. I think that I tend, to, I, I like to think that I work well with others. Um, I'm creative too, but my, I definitely, I'm, um, I can, I can be a Debbie Downer pretty quickly as well. Uh, and I also think that sometimes um, because I am so particular about things uh, that gets me into some trouble with my friends and family uh, because I tend to not be able to be settled unless anything is, everything is kind of perfect around me. So I'm a clean freak too. So that's not, doesn't help as well. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and so let's talk about the zero waste kitchen um and it says a food focused platform packed with everyday solutions to help you use up the food we typically toss aside um why do you feel that statement is so important um well food waste is a huge issue right um it's a huge issue when it comes to um commercial um, and how food is packaged and how much through food is thrown away on a commercial level, but also on a household level. So, you know, doing what I do, I see food being wasted all the time because it's, I'm always at grocery stores. I'm always working in an industry that is prone to food waste because in advertising, you know, um, sometimes you need to buy 50 tomatoes before you find the one perfect tomato that's okay for the client and the tomato that they think is appropriate for their packaging. So then you're left with stuff, right? And when I started really delving into food waste, then you get into the whole climate change thing and how food waste is affecting climate change and that's not good. Uh, and the, the biggest issue is that this food waste is avoidable. So we just need to be taking more of an active role into figuring out how to avoid it. And the only way that say I can avoid my food waste is to actually physically doing, do something with 
how I'm buying, preparing or storing food at home. Um, but the other thing that I want to do is be able to educate others to make more, take more of an interest, interest in an active role in reducing their food waste at home. So being able to create a platform that is um, easy to navigate and just offers simple tools and tips, but also awareness about what's going on in the world when it comes to food waste was uh, something that I felt like it was time that I needed to do something about that. Um, I got into the whole food waste initiative, I guess you would call it. I'd prob probably about, my God, now it's books three years, five, maybe even six, six to eight years ago. And nobody really cared about it. And especially now over the course of the pandemic and now with the groceries and how much groceries cost these days, people are definitely becoming more mindful. So I think it's a very hot topic and it creates a great avenue for me to be able to educate people on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, obviously I was looking through your recipes and I'm, I'm always a lover for smoothies. Um, I've been, I've been making strawberry smoothies, but the thing is that I've never really tried out different recipes of smoothies. Oh, um, so okay. give me, give Ooh. me your best smoothie recipes. So you like strawberry smoothies? Yes. Okay. So, and have you noticed how expensive strawberries are at the grocery store right now? Fresh strawberries? Uh, no, but are I feel... But, but but I feel like I've I've realized and I've seen different articles of saying people have said that, you know, food prices are going up uh, tremendously yeah. before, way before, you know, um, and I think it's so interesting how that um, how those things have happened uh, ultimately. Um, but yeah, I think that like there are just so many different things that I'm curious on on how to make like a different but still like strawberry incorporated smoothies. Right. So um well, uh, frozen strawberries are probably the best way to go right now because you're not going to find seasonal and local strawberries. You could probably find greenhouse grown strawberries, but the price of strawberries are going to go up. So if you're going to want to be sticking with the strawberry smoothies, you're going to have to be sticking with the frozen strawberries. Um, I don't know if you know this, but banana peels you can eat. Did you know that you could eat banana peels? No. No. So do you put if you put bananas in your smoothies um you can also eat banana peels now they're not great if you were just to eat the banana with the peel but the peel has a lot of fiber and a lot of nutrients in it that the bananas have as well so if you wanted to add more fiber to your diet you could easily chop half a banana but keep the peel on it and throw it into your smoothie uh, but you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of like, in a more food waste perspective, you could add, um, you know, if you have lemons that are starting to go off, you could, you know, throw in half a lemon you could, or just like the juice. Um, but do you ever put green stuff in your smoothie, like spinach or kale or anything? No, like I just, I just put like strawberries, yogurt, um, uh, plain yogurt, um, uh, milk, um and yeah. those things i think that's basically all i do well smoothies are like for me the perfect way to use up like odds and ends in your kitchen or on your right. counter 
that are on the way out. So say if you have a few berries that are already starting to get a little bit mushy and you don't want to eat them raw, you can throw them in your smoothie. I tend to always put some greens in my smoothie. So like a handful of spinach or kale, things like that. Um, but I mean, there's so many things you can put in your smoothies, like you scoop a protein powder, you could do that. Um, you could use coconut water instead of water or milk. So start getting a little bit more creative and also spices as well. You could add, you know, cinnamon and nutmeg and all of those type of things to kind of get it a little bit more spicy if you wanted to, but yeah, smoothies are a great way to use up food waste around the house and get rid of odds and ends of things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're running down the time here, four minutes left on this meeting time, um, I'm going to quickly ask this question because I feel it's, I've been very interested in this. Um, who is a famous chef or friend that you can call for advice or check in? Oh, <laughs> um, I, it's so funny that you said that because I was just texting him today and I haven't heard from him in a long time. But it's um, my friend uh, and chef Jason Cox, who uh, brought me into his kitchen right out of culinary school. He is um, the chef at executive chef at a restaurant called Opus in Toronto that has been around for a very long time. And uh, it's funny you say that because he just texted me this morning and I haven't talked to him in a really long time. And it's about time that I go see him. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, what's your number one advice for aspiring chefs? It's only food. So take it easy. It's not, it's not rocket science. You're going to screw up. Uh, the more you do it, the better you get. But I think that when I first started cooking, I got really frustrated really easily when something didn't work out instead of just trying to have fun with it. Um, because yeah, it's, it's just food. It's just food. Have fun with it. Cook more, waste less. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, wait, wait, wait to plug that in there too. Uh, I love that. Um, well, our time has come to an end, but it was fun chatting with you. Congratulations you so on the success you're having and continuing to have. To the listeners who made it this far into the episode, thanks so much for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zero Waste Chef, food stylist, culinary creator, and author Christine Tizard. You can find her on Instagram at The Zero Waste Kitchen, Facebook Christine Tizard, Twitter at Chef Tizard, and YouTube Christine Tizard. For more information, visit thezerowastekitchen.ca. If you'd like to help spread the word about my podcast, Please do feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media. Any form of support is greatly appreciated. You can follow me on Instagram at The Jigby Kelting Show, Twitter at The Jigby K Show, TikTok at The Jigby Kelting Show, and on YouTube, The Jigby Kelting Show. Lastly, you can also find my show on all podcast streaming platforms just by typing in The Jigby Kelting Show. I've been your host, Jigby Kelting. Thanks for tuning into this episode. <music>